Welcome back to the Hemingway List podcast of excellence. Again, recording this on my phone, so I apologise for the terrible sound quality. Should be back to normal by tomorrow, though. We're talking about book three, chapter four. Why do you think Prince Nikolai insulted Maya so publicly? And do you think Anatole and Vasily are aware of how Nikolai feels about them and their intentions? I think, I reckon, Vasily, I reckon Anatole is a little bit just... He doesn't really care what's going on. Um, but Vasily, I reckon he would know exactly how old man Bolkonsky feels about him. Because I think he'd feel very similarly to the people that suck up to him, you know. He talked earlier in, in the book about, you know, when... Um, What's-her-face was kissing his ass and trying to get him to put in a good word for her son. Um, Anna... Not Anna Pavlovna, the other one. Anna... Mikalev, oh, what is it? Mikalevna? Oh man, it's on the tip of my tongue, but I can't say it. Anyway, you know who I mean. But I think he would definitely know, like, when people are sort of playing the game with him and just kind of sucking up to him, and he has to sort of tolerate them and be polite, but at the same time, just try to get rid of them. And now he's very aware that he's doing, he's on the other hand, other side of that, I think, for sure. For sure. He's not an idiot, Vasily. He's been doing this society game for so long now that it's habitual to him. We've talked about that, or the book has said that in just a previous chapter or two. So that's what I would reckon about that one. Um, Ripster66 says, I was mortified for Mary when her father went off like that. I think his tantrum had two purposes. One, to acknowledge that he was aware of the game afoot. And two, to press upon Mary not to change or conform for others. He does love his daughter, though he stinks at expressing it. He doesn't want her to change herself for the likes of Anatole. Vasily is too astute a player not to realise that Nikolai is on to his plan. He even tries to level with him and admit that Anatole isn't too bright, but he's a decent fellow. I'm not sure how well that will go over, since Nikolai values intelligence. I do like that he wants to get to know Anatole better, and that he's willing to listen to his daughter's wishes. Whether he'll actually listen to her is yet to be seen. My heart broke for Mary as she played at the clavichord. She deserves better. Isn't it ironic that if her father weren't so brutish, she might not have been in such a hurry to make a match with the first suitor that came along? Nikolai doesn't really want to have his daughter leave, but his gruff manner has her ready to fly the coop that much faster. Affectionate Song 402 said, I think... It was a sign of the times that while her father loves her and wants to look out for her, he's not very good at communicating it, and he is letting Vasily and his son know that he is aware and not happy about their scheme. Too bad he did not communicate it in a better way. All three of the women in that household are so very lonely, all besotted by Anatole, who thinks very highly of himself. I think Vasily is very aware um, oh, that Nikolai doesn't like him, but he doesn't care. Anatole is so spoiled and vapid, I'm not sure he even notices anyone but himself. Yeah, I think he's spot on there, affectionate song 402. Um, by the way, guys, <clears throat> I meant to say this at the top of the episode, but I um, was able to translate today's chapter. So um, when we get around to reading chapter 5 at the end of this episode, it will be the Andalus Aussie Bogan version. So that's awesome. Twisted Every Waste is another chapter of just feeling sorry for Mary. She just has no options other than to stay with her brutish and overbearing father or marry the first dimwit who comes along for her money. 
and to know that he's not marrying her for any reason other than her money. Some very interesting insight into Mademoiselle Boreen, it looks like she's going to try and steal Anatole for herself. I've got to say, this book would take a very intriguing turn if Anatole defies his father and goes after Amélie. I'm kind of rooting for this because Mary deserves better, and Prince Vasily is a snake. Uh, Anatole is dumb, says four lost souls in a bowl, and but not when it comes to women. He'll marry Maya for her wealth and position, bring Mademoiselle Boreen along as a lady-in-waiting, and then make her his mistress. At least that's what I'm predicting. Gunnardo says this is my prediction too. Anatole reminds me of a young version of Steva from Anna Karenina, with no qualms about having mistresses. I think mistresses was a pretty normal thing back in like, well, I don't know about Russia, but definitely like French, and they've got a pretty similar culture. Um, now, Andre Bolkonsky, 69, uh, has submitted a post saying, explaining Russian noble titles, i.e. why everyone is a prince. There's a post that covered this from a few years ago, but since I can't cross-post it into the same sub, here's a brief explanation as to the Russian noble system. A prince or a princess is bordering on a translation error. Russian princes aren't related to the royal family. They are more like the equivalent of English dukes. And even then there were far less dukes than Russian princes. One level below that are counts, which are much like the English earls. Well, that's weird, though, because a count is below a prince, but Count Bezikov is definitely the richest of all the people in this book. Uh, below that are barons, which were mostly... But I guess maybe the maybe the rank or the um, status isn't directly related to how rich they were. That could be it. Uh, below that are barons, which were mostly foreigners that were awarded a noble title. In addition, there are many very rich and influential people, such as Anna Pavlovna, that have no title whatsoever, and many princes and counts who are quite poor, such as the Jubitskoys. Wealth and influence is in no way tied to a title, though obviously nobles tend to be much richer than serfs. Also, unlike in the English system, every child inherits the title of their parents. Interesting. Thank you very much for uh, clearing that up. Um, Andre Bolkonsky, 69. All right. Ready to read the next chapter? I know I am. Uh, it's chapter 5. And uh, yeah, I'm pretty happy that I can read you my version of it. It's, um, oh, by the way, if you want to support this project, patreon.com slash the Hemingway list is where you can do so. All right, chapter 5 goes like this, guys. They separated and did their own things, staying up late into the night, except for Anatole, who went to bed and fell asleep really early. Is he really going to be my hubby, this stranger, this kind stranger? Yeah, that's the word, kind, thought Princess Mary, and fear came to her, something that rarely happened. She was scared to look. She knew suddenly that there was someone in her room, someone standing in the dark corner by the screen, and she knew who it was, the devil. And he was also the same man with the white forehead black eyebrows and red lips. She rang for her maid and asked her to sleep in her room. Mademoiselle Boreen walked up and down the conservatory for ages that night, enjoying the winter garden, vainly expecting someone, now smiling at someone and now working herself up to tears as she imagined her pauvre Marie giving her an earful for her lapse of judgment. 
The little Princess Lisa whinged to her maid, complaining that she'd done a shit job of making her bed. She couldn't get comfortable on her front, side, or back. Every position was awkward and uncomfortable, and her bulging belly was more annoying to her now than ever, because having Anatole around was reminding her of being not knocked up, when everything was light and bright and easy. She sat in an armchair in her bed, jacket, and nightcap, and her maid, Katie, half asleep, beat and turned the heavy feather bed for the third time, muttering to herself. I told you it's lumpy as shit, the princess repeated. I'd be happy just to fall asleep, so it's not my fault. And her voice quivered like a child about to cry. Old man Bolkonski didn't sleep either. Tikon, half asleep, heard him pacing angrily about and snorting. The old prince was feeling insulted via his daughter. The insult was made worse by the fact that it wasn't directed at himself, but at his daughter, who he loved more than himself. He kept telling himself that he'd think the matter over and make a decision on how to proceed, but instead of that he just worked himself up, ranting and raving in his head. The first man that shows up and bang, she's forgotten all about her old man and everything else, runs upstairs to tart up her hair, wags her tail like a little dog. She's not herself. She has no problem throwing her old man aside. And she knew I'd notice. Fuck, 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 he snorted. And that fuckwit kid thinks I don't notice that he's eye-fucking Mademoiselle Boreen the whole time. I'll have to give her the flick. And how does Mary not have the self-respect to see it? If she has no self-respect for herself, sorry, if she has no respect for herself, she could at least have some for me. I've got to make her see that that dickhead doesn't care about her and has a massive hard-on for Boreen. No, she has no pride, but I'll make her see. The old prince knew that if he told his daughter she was making a mistake and that Anatole was flirting hard with Mademoiselle Boreen, Princess Mary's self-esteem would plummet, and that his aim to not lose his daughter, would be realised, and that calmed him down a bit. He called for Tikon and started undressing. Why in God's name did they come here, he thought, while Tikon was putting his nightshirt over his crusty old body and grey-haired chest. I never invited them. They just came to interrupt my life. I don't have much life left for that. They can go to hell, he muttered, while his head was still yet to pop out of the shirt top. Tikon knew his master's habit of sometimes thinking out loud and therefore didn't react to the angry, questioning look that emerged from the shirt. "'Gone to bed?' asked the prince. Tikon was a good valet and instinctively knew what the master was getting at. He took a punt at an answer. "'Prince Vasily and his son have gone to bed and put the lights out, Your Excellency.' "'No, nah, no, nah, that won't do,' said the prince rapidly, and thrusting his feet into his slippers and his arms into his sleeves of his dressing gown, he went to the couch where he slept. Even though Anatole and Mademoiselle Boreen had not exchanged any actual words, they still absolutely understood one another in regard to the first part of their romance, up to the point where the Pavre Marie appeared. They understood that they had much to say to one another in secret, and so they'd been waiting for the chance since morning to meet somewhere in private. When Princess Mary went to see her old man at the usual time. Mademoiselle Boreen and Anatole snuck off to the gardens. Princess Mary went to the door of the study even more timidly than usual. She had the feeling that everyone knew her fate would be sealed that day, but that they also knew what she thought about it. She saw this in Tikon's face and Prince Vasily's valet's face too, 
who bowed low to her when she passed him in the corridor carrying hot water. The old prince was very sweet and gentle with his daughter that morning, which was weird. Princess Mary knew well this painstaking expression her father was wearing. His face wore the same look whenever his dry old hands would clench in anger at her getting a maths question wrong. When he'd get up from his chair and walk away from her muttering to himself the same words over and over, he got straight to the point, treating her in a very formal manner. I have had a pr proposition made to me regarding yourself, he said with an unnatural smile. I reckon you've guessed that Prince Vasily hasn't brought his pupil all this way. For some reason, Prince Bolkonsky called Anatole a pupil. Not just for my enjoyment. Last night a proposition was made on your account, and as you know my principles, I'll leave it up to you. What do you mean, mon père? said the princess, going pale and then blushing. What do I mean? cried her old man angrily. Prince Vasily likes the look of you for a daughter-in-law, and has proposed on his pupil's behalf. That's what I mean. What do I mean, for crying out loud? I want to know what you think, father, whispered the princess. Me? Me? What I think? Leave me out of it, thank you. I'm not the one getting married. What about what you think? That's what I want to know. The princess could see that her father wasn't keen on the whole idea, but at the same time she had the feeling that for her it was now or never. She lowered her eyes, trying to avoid the gaze of her father, a gaze that, while it fell on her, she felt like she couldn't think straight and would only be able to submit to him by habit. And she said, I only want to do what makes you happy, but if I had to say what I preferred, it would be... She didn't finish. The old man interrupted her. Good for you, he shouted. He'll take you and the dowry that goes along with it, and he'll take Mademoiselle Boreen into the bargain too. She'll perform the wifely duties while you can... The princess stopped. He saw that his words were upsetting his daughter. She lowered her head and was on the verge of bursting into tears. Come on, come on, I'm only joking, he said. Remember, princess, I believe that a woman has the right to choose. I give you freedom. Only try to remember that your life's happiness depends on your decision. Don't worry about me. But I don't know, father. Oh, there's no point talking about it with me. He'll do whatever he's told. If they say to marry someone, he'll do it. You, though, you have the freedom to choose. So go think it over in your room and come back in an hour and tell us yes or no. I know you'll pray about it. That's fine. Pray if you like, but please also think about it. Go on. Yes or no, yes or no, yes or no, he said, still shouting when the princess had staggered out of the study as if lost in a fog. She made her decision and was happy with it. But what her old man had said about Mademoiselle Boreen was awful. It wasn't true, for sure, but it was still an awful thing to say. And she couldn't stop thinking about it. She was going straight on through the gardens, not looking or listening to her surroundings, when suddenly the recognisable whispers of Mademoiselle Boreen caught her ear. She looked up, and not two steps away, there they were, Anatole embracing the Frenchwoman and whispering something in her ear. Anatole just about packed his dax, his handsome face going pale, and he looked at Princess Mary, but didn't right away move his arm from around Mademoiselle Boreen's waist. Boreen hadn't noticed Mary yet. Who? What? Wait, what? Anatole's face seemed to say. Princess Mary looked at them in silence. She couldn't wrap her head around it. At last Mademoiselle Boreen did something. She screamed and ran away. Anatole bowed to Princess Mary with a charming smile, as if inviting her to join in on having a little laugh about this strange incident. And then he shrugged his shoulders, 
and went to the door that led to his part of the mansion. An hour later, Tikon came to call Princess Mary to the old prince. He added that Prince Vasily was there too. When Tikon came to her, Princess Mary was sitting on the sofa in her room holding the weeping Mademoiselle Boreen in her arms and gently stroking her hair. Mary's beautiful eyes, looking as calm and radiant and back to normal, sorry, looking calm and radiant and back to normal, were fixed with tender affection and pity at Mademoiselle Boreen's pretty face. No, Princess, you must hate me now, said Mademoiselle Boreen. What? Why? No, I love you more than ever, said Princess Mary, and I will do all I can to make you happy. But you must hate me. You're so pure, and you would never get so carried away with a crush. Ah, oh, only my poor mother. I understand, answered Princess Mary with a sad smile. Calm down, breathe, babe. I'll go see my dad, she said, and went out. Prince Vasily had one leg thrown over the other and a snuff-box in his hand, sitting there with a deep smile on his face, as if deeply touched about the situation, and at the same time begrudging and laughing at how sensitive he was, like, darn this giant heart of mine. Princess Mary entered, and he took a quick pinch of snuff. Ah, sweetheart, sweetheart, he began, standing and taking her by both hands. Then he sighed and added, My son's fate is in your hands. It's up to you, my darling, kind, gentle Marie whom I have always loved as a daughter. He drew back, and an actual, real tear glimmered in his eye. Fuh, snorted old man Bolkonsky. The prince is making a proposition to you on behalf of his pupil, er, uh, I mean his son. Do you want to be Prince Anatole Karagin's wife? Quick, yes or no, he shouted. And then I'll reserve to state my opinion too after that. Yes, my opinion, and only mine, added Prince Bolkonsky, turning to Prince Vasily and answering his imploring look. Yes or no? My answer is that I never want to leave you, father. I never want to separate my life from yours. I don't wish to marry, she answered resolutely, looking at Prince Vasily and at her father with her beautiful eyes. Bullshit. Nonsense. Bullshit. 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 Cried Prince Bolkonsky, frowning and grabbing his daughter by the hand. He didn't kiss her, but only bending his forward forehead to touch to hers, touched them, and pressed her hands so that she winced and gasped. Prince Vasily rose. My dear, I've got to say, this is a moment I won't ever forget, but, my dear, would you at least leave us with a little hope that we got through to your lovely, generous heart? Why don't you just say maybe? The future is a long thing. Say maybe. Prince, I've just said all that there is in my heart. I'm grateful for the honour, but I won't ever be your son's wife. Righto, that's that then. See ya. Nice to see ya, old mate. Very nice to see ya. Princess, pop back to your room. Off you go, said old man Bolkonsky. Really, bloody great to see ya, he repeated, repeated, embracing Prince Vasily. My life has a different meaning than that, thought Prince Ma Princess Mary. My life will be happy, but with a different kind of happiness. The happiness of love and self-sacrifice. And whatever that costs me, I'll make sure poor Amelie is happy. She loves him so much and feels so bad about it. I'll do whatever I can to arrange a match between them. If he isn't rich, I'll give her the money. I'll ask my father and Andrew. I'll be real happy when she's his wife. She has the worst luck. A stranger, all alone, helpless, and... Oh, God, she must really love him if she could forget herself so badly. Heck, I might have done the same thing, thought Princess Mary.
Alrighty, there we go. That's that chapter for ya. All done. I have to touch my phone now to stop the recording. So it's going to sound scratchy. Thanks very much for listening, guys. I will see you tomorrow.